Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. A couple of people sent me a story. I'm not sure they knew this or not, but the guy who wrote the story is a friend of mine. So it's pretty cool that several people pointed that out to me, said, hey, here's a cool story. And it's someone I know. It's from Kiplinger.com. The man who wrote it is Dennis Beaver, who's an attorney. Okay. I've spoken on the phone many times. I've actually uh, answered a few questions for him because he's asking me for some advice regarding a column he was writing. And uh, he knows that I specialize in automobile law. So the headline is, who pays when a test drive ends in engine failure? You're going car shopping, you get in a car, you take it for a test ride, and something happens to the car while you're driving it. Is that your responsibility? Is that the dealerships? So the subhead on this is a test drive gone wrong ended in a catastrophic engine failure. The used car sales manager insisted the customer should be on the hook for the major repair bill, but she fought back. So if the car dealer lets you take a car out for a test drive, who would be responsible? Uh, and so he says, notice I didn't say because of something that you did wrong. Rather, it experienced a breakdown which simply occurred while you were driving. And that's one of those things. If you stop and think about it, the odds of you having gone on a test drive in a vehicle at a dealership and having its engine explode are pretty slim because you probably only test-driven a few vehicles. And by few, it doesn't matter if you've done 20 or 30. You need to get into large numbers. But the law of large numbers would suggest that with all the car dealerships in America and all the cars that are selling, new and used, that sooner or later, one of the engines is going to explode or something's going to fail in one of those cars simply because the population of the cars is so large. And the idea that there's all these cars in the road and something breaks down in one of them is not that astounding. But so the odds of it happening while a customer is test driving the car, that's the key. So the woman who Dennis calls Alyssa lives near Los Angeles, and uh, she was driving, I think, on I-5. So that's often called the Grapevine, where in that area she's driving. It's a steep 5.5-mile, 6% grade at the northern end of the pass that makes national news every winter when it's shut down due to ice and snow. And, of course, it'll strand a lot of motorists and big rig drivers if that happens. In summer, it can destroy a vehicle's engine and transmission if they're in poor condition. Uh, it has two runaway truck ramps, which, of course, if you are in a runaway truck, you look for one. <laughs> All of that said, coming down I-5 is one of the most dramatic drives I know of. And Dennis says he never tires of the experience. So Alyssa told Dennis, I was looking for low-mileage, automatic that's key to the story here, an automatic transmission. Sporty car from Detroit and found a 2013 model year that I thought was ideally priced at $15,000. Now, this is at a car dealership in Los Angeles. They photocopied her ID and driver's license, handed me the keys and said, while this particular model is no longer being manufactured, it was seen as Detroit's answer to BMW and Mercedes. Take it anywhere you like. Knock yourself out. Salesperson didn't go with her. I have family who live in the Central Valley, and I know the grapevine like the back of my hand. After reaching the summit at about 4,000 feet, I began my descent, and she says she shifted into a lower gear as she's always done. She actually downshifted the automatic transmission. This is called engine braking, and it allows the transmission and engine to slow the vehicle so you don't run the risk of brake fade. And right now, several guys in the audience who know how transmissions work and how engines work are going to be typing in comments regarding uh, how well that works on an automatic transmission versus a manual transmission, but we'll get into that. So at first, the car behaved normally. It slowed down a bit, but then 
shifting to a lower gear, suddenly things went very bad. The tachometer began climbing towards the red and hit 7,000 RPM. Alice uh, is here climbing towards that. And she says, I tried to upshift, but nothing happened except a horrible sound. Next, I heard what sounded like an explosion with smoke billowing from the car. I pulled off the freeway onto the shoulder and heard more strange crunching sounds. And then the car completely died. Now, she used a bunch of words in there that are scary to car guys because she heard a horrible sound and an explosion. Smoke billowed from the car. And all of that was followed by crunching sounds. I'm assuming she doesn't mean the tires crunching on the gravel. I'm assuming she means crunching sounds from the engine or transmission. But she says this was an automatic, not a manual. And said, I've always downshifted automatics when descending the grapevine. And then she asked Dennis, can you help? Because the dealership uh, sent a tow truck. And later, they told her they wanted her to pay for it. So uh, they said that both the transmission and the engine were blown from over-revving. Over-revving. Uh, so Dennis jumped into action, hopped on the old hoot and holler, made some phone calls. Said, I spoke with mechanics at transmission shops from across the country and with technicians at dealerships that sold this particular brand of vehicle. They all agreed that unless there is a defect, an automatic transmission will prevent you from over-revving the engine by upshifting automatically or by not allowing you to shift to the lower gear if there's a potential for an over-rev. So transmission is smarter than you are. Now, a technician from Denver said, Automatics manufactured in the past several decades will not allow themselves to self-destruct. If you're driving at freeway speed and try to shift your car into the wrong gear, it won't. It may shift to a lower gear than what you're in, but will not allow itself to cause the engine to over-rev. However, they all stress that while most cars with manual transmissions have a rev limiter, uh, nothing will stop you from downshifting into the wrong gear and accidentally over-revving the engine. That's why it's important to always take into account how fast your car is moving before deciding to downshift into lower gear in a manual. Again, manual or a standard shift transmission. And uh, I mentioned before, I own a Viper. I'm throwing it in there because it's relevant. It's a six-speed standard shift, i.e. a clutch or manual transmission. And, uh, and yes, I understand automatics have clutches also. I'm simply just saying some people colloquially refer to it as a clutch. Do you know how to drive a clutch? Okay. And it's a six speed. So think about that. Instead of having the four speed H, you add on an extra row over here. So it does take a little bit of learning anytime you start driving a vehicle like that for the first time to understand where the shifter goes when you let go of it, for instance, and, and it's not in a gear. Does it line up with third? First, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or does it line up with first or sixth or fifth or whatever? And I, I know the answer to that, obviously, in, in my car, it lines up in the middle, which is third and fourth. So you're driving down the road and it's in neutral and you know how fast you're going. What gear do you put it into? You should know this based on your experience driving the car. But if it's a brand new vehicle to you, like a test drive, you might not know that. Now, again, that's all academic at this point because this car here is an automatic so I'm simply pointing out that these are things that he's talking about there. He says, before I gave the model, technicians at dealerships that carry the brand of car my reader drove said, you're talking about this brand, right? They knew. They guessed it based on the story he told them. He, they said that car had tons of transmission problems. So they also all agreed with Alyssa 
that it is perfectly appropriate to use the engine braking as a way to help slow the speed of the automobile. And of course, big rigs going down things like the grapevine. It was evident that either the used car manager was clueless about anything mechanical or was trying to bluff the reader into paying for something that wasn't her responsibility. Uh, in conversations with auto dealer friends of this column, the conclusion they all reached was that asking the customer to pay for repairs was wrong. <laughs> and they said that if they did, they risked getting the DMV or district attorney's office involved for consumer fraud. They said, and he summarized what they said, when a used car suffers a catastrophic breakdown on a test drive, unless you can prove the customer intended to harm the vehicle, you weigh the cost of repairs against just offering it to an auction lot or having it declared a scrap. He says that's especially true of a vehicle that's 10 years old. Armed with that information, I phoned him. So Dennis got involved. So here he is. He's an attorney, but he's also the media. He's, he's both. <laughs> he's a double threat. He says, I phoned the dealership owner. Not only was he unaware of this case, but when informed, became very upset. It is plain wrong. Please tell her I'm so sorry she was put through this nightmare. And if she still needs to buy a car, pick one out and arrange to speak with me. I will make things right. But he's also obviously saying she's not on the hook for what happened there. She doesn't have to buy that car or any car from us. But if she wants to, we'll take care of her. So Dennis contacted Alyssa. And she actually apparently said, you know something? If they're going to take care of me and make it right, I'll go back there and buy a car from them. So she's going to look. She hasn't bought one as of the writing of this story. But she said she's still willing to work with them. So meanwhile, in case you're curious, Dennis uh, is an attorney. And he writes uh, a column called You and the Law. You and the Law. He attended Loyola University School of Law. Uh, he worked for a while with the Kern County District Attorney's Office, where he established a consumer fraud department inside the district attorney's office. He is in the general practice of law. He writes a syndicated newspaper column, You and the Law. Through his column, he offers readers in need of down-to-earth advice, his help free of charge. He says, I know it sounds corny, but I just love to be able to use my education and experience to help, simply to help. When a reader contacts me, it is a gift. It's a nice guy. I've spoken to him quite a few times. Uh, we correspond a bit. And uh, occasionally, he'll just say, you know, hey, Steve, someone called me with a question and I'm bouncing the question off a lot of people like he does to get a consensus here and figure out what's going on. Uh, we've kicked some legal ideas back and forth a few times. I think he's also responded to videos I've shot where he simply said, hey, Steve, you did a video and I thought that was interesting. And uh, let me explain to you a situation I had that was similar or parallel or somehow worked out similarly or not similarly or why. And he's in California, which is where I went to law school, but I'm not licensed to practice law in California. So the bigger question that you want to take away from this is you go to a car dealership to test drive a car. And I've been on test drives where a salesman came along, sat next to me, and I've also had him hand me the card, you know, uh, you know, ask my driver's license, and hand it back to me after they photocopied it, said, go for a drive. Take it, what do you drive it around? When you're done, come back. So people driving cars have things happen. They can get in car accidents, or the engines and transmissions and parts of the car can break down and fail. So first of all, you should probably know that most car dealerships have got insurance on the entire fleet of cars on their lot. So if somebody is out in one of those cars and something happens like an accident, their insurance should cover it. Now, I'm not going to get into this that heavily because there's 50 different states in America, but quite often when you're driving another car, if it's deemed to be a replacement for the car you have, like a rental vehicle, 
airport or something, uh, your insurance might cover you in that car. But the question then becomes who's actually is, you know, takes precedence over the other. Uh, and sometimes both of them are involved. Sometimes one of them is involved. Uh, and quite often a situation like this, I suspect that car dealerships insurance would cover them if the car got in an accident. Okay. Now, one of the things you're doing when you're test driving a car is you are test driving the car. I'm joking because it's a bootstrap explanation, but obviously you get in the car, you drive it to test it. If you drive it and something bad happens to it, well, your test has just got an unusual result, which will probably result in you not wanting to buy that car. But obviously it's not your fault. Why would that be on you? It doesn't even make any sense. And what's interesting, and I was thinking about this because I had several people send me the story. Thank you, Chris, Scott, and Neil. And as I was thinking about this, I realized I've been practicing law for 31 years, and I've never heard of this happening. Now, I'm sure that I've had people in my sphere of influence who have been test driving a car and had something happen. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. But no one ever told me the stories because presumably none of them were ever told, oh, you got to pay for that. And so I think most dealerships recognize as part of the cost of doing business, their engines might fail, transmissions might explode while their cars are in inventory and before they've been sold. So someone trades in a car, okay, and they drive off in their new car, and now you've got this trade-in car, and you're going to clean it up and sell it. Well, someone's going to take it and drive it over here, someone's going to take it and drive it over there, then they're going to clean it all up, then they're going to put it on the lot for sale. I wouldn't be surprised if vehicles brought in on trade explode all the time, where somebody limps a car in or they know how to keep it running just right for a little while, and that's got to happen. I guarantee you that there's people in my audience who work at car dealerships are going to say, yes, Steve, we've seen this happen. I guarantee we're going to have that. But it's got to happen. It's got to happen. But the idea you're going to say, well, you're on the hook for it. It would make sense if they could prove that it was the driver's fault and they had done something that but for the engine wouldn't have done that or the car wouldn't have broken down. So presumably, you go to a car dealership and go, I want to test drive that car. And they go, okay, you can test drive the car. And ID, all that stuff, you get in the car and you immediately start doing all kinds of burnouts and brake torques and torque slams or whatever it is you want to do, whatever the kids call it these days, whatever they do. You know, and, and, you're, and you're beating on the car and something breaks down. Okay, that would be on you. Except, there's an interesting point. How would they know? So if there's a salesperson in the car with you and you've got the gumption to start doing donuts with the guy in the car, uh, yeah, uh, knock yourself out. But of course, when the engine explodes, the guy's going to say, yeah, I saw him, he's doing donuts. I told him to stop. He didn't stop and the engine exploded. On the other hand, on the other hand, uh, if he's not in the car and they don't know how to find witnesses or any kind of, uh, I don't know, video cam surveillance, uh, they might have issues unless there's evidence of the car being abused on the car itself, which is possible also. So, Short answer, if you're test driving the car and it simply fails, that is not on you. And the idea that a dealership actually said it was uh, is surprising because the person was taking the car for a test drive. And what do you do if the car fails the test? You don't buy it. But it doesn't mean you're forced to repair it after the test drive. So that's by H. Dennis Beaver, Esquire, who writes for uh, a variety of places because the column is syndicated. But it often gets picked up by Kiplinger.com, who's what published this one here. 
Uh, so who pays when a test drive ends in engine failure? The dealership does. And to tell you otherwise, call Dennis or me or somebody else. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. I'm investing in vintage comic books, as if I don't have enough issues already.